I'm Brian Billick, and this is The Q Factor. There is no such thing as a perfect athlete. And in fact, you said at one point, um, probably the closest we've come in recent years to an absolute lock, first round, first pick would be Andrew Luck. I always used to say, I want to, yeah, I want a calm quarterback, but I also want to know that you're smart enough to be afraid. That you're smart enough to recognize, whoa, this is this is a lot, and and you know, buyer beware, so to speak. Let's now kind of bring it full circle, and let's talk a little bit about the five principles that in the 2018 draft: uh, Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, uh, Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, and Lamar Jackson. And let's let's see how we did. Let's see what we can extrapolate from it. Well, Jim, it's been quite a, a journey for us. Uh, you know, we've we when you when you started us on this trek with the Q Factor uh, a couple of years ago, um, and and now three actually three years removed from it. Um, I've enjoyed uh, doing the podcast. I think I've, we we've learned and expanded on our Q Factor uh, uh, database in terms of what we approached. Let's now kind of bring it full circle and let's talk a little bit about. The five principles that in the 2018 draft, yeah, uh, yeah. Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, uh, Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, and Lamar Jackson. Let's talk about what we know now, even three years removed from that actual draft. So we have the additional uh, information where the book obviously traced it the first two years. And let's let's see how we did. Let's see what we can extrapolate from it. Let's begin with Baker Mayfield. And again, the whole premise, as you know, uh, from the get-go, is that this is a 50-50 proposition in the first round. The fact that we had five guys, we're going to be yay or nay one way or the other on this, just on the sheer numbers. But let's begin with Baker Mayfield. Your thoughts on what we thought going in, what what his limitations or positives were going to be, and what we've learned since. What's your observation on Baker Mayfield? Well, of course, this is, you know, this was your area of expertise, and I learned along the way. Um, I would say one thing we said that I, that would apply to all of them. We were skeptical or we had cautions on all five because there is no such thing as a perfect athlete. And in fact, you said at one point, um, probably the closest we've come in recent years to an absolute lock first round, first pick would be Andrew Luck. And yeah, ironically, yet yeah, it, it all turned out to be true. And then he got out of the game. Right. Uh, but there are there are very few um, absolutes or close to absolutes. Um, certainly Baker Mayfield was, uh, by everybody's measurement, was either number one or number two. Uh, we had cautions. The cautions had probably more to do with character and personality uh, than abilities. And we were, I would say, to our credit, we said it really matters where he ends up and who the coaches are. And we said he had a high chance of success. Um, I'm going to give a spoiler alert here, if I could. I think that we did pretty well in our five picks yeah. and even well-placed skepticism. Um, so I would say Baker Mayfield lived up to the promise. It took him two years to get there because of, or over two years, because of patting ourselves on the back, the match with the coaching staff and the, and the uh, management. And once it got right, he got right. 
Yeah, as we talk about in the book, you really, it, it, and, and it's common sense, but it boils down to the three factors of physical, the mental and emotional state of the player and the ability to make that jump into the NFL. And then finally that match. And that was the concern, that double whammy of A, what is his maturity level coming in the NFL? It was well-documented in college and the dumb things that he did. And then really the first couple of years in the league. And more importantly, the transition from Hugh Jackson uh, then Hugh Jackson goes down, the, the, the insecurity in the organization, uh, then Freddie Kitchens, and now finally with a what appears to be a secure uh, coach of the year uh, uh, from last year in, in Kevin Stefanski that, that, and the mature maturation of Baker Mayfield. I, this last year, um, to remind ourselves, the first year he didn't play the latter half of the season, had really great numbers, but he was kind of playing on house money, right? It was like, well, okay, what am I going to do? Throw another interception? And what, Cleveland's going to lose another game? You know, stop the presses. The next year they loaded up, looked like this was going to be the year. They now came in with expectations, and he was, he was miserable. He was terrible. Now, was that the offense? Was it Freddie Kitchens? Was it too much pressure? Um, all of the above. So this year, more tempered, and a more tempered uh, Baker Mayfield. I, I was encouraged near the end of the year because this was a team that ran the ball well, played good defense, and Baker Mayfield learned to manage the game. He didn't have to throw the ball 40, 45 times. And I loved his comment near the end of the season when he said, yeah, I think I've grown up to the point where I, when I think about saying or doing something stupid, I don't. That, <laughs> right, that, right. that That's come a long way. And, and uh so, uh, okay, so at the end of the day, we are saying we think it's thumbs up on Baker's Mayfield, Baker Mayfield going forward and, and that he's going to be on the we, positive we also side got, of that 50-50. We also got a great insight in the course of writing the book. Uh, we had a conversation with Gary Kubiak, who probably is as good, a, as good a, a guy at knowing talent as anybody. And he said about Kevin Stefanski, you'll see yeah. this is a very smart wise sound i mean every adjective he used to be kind about it could could have not been applied to his predecessor yeah and now the challenge for cleveland as is always the case and and, and this is the business aspect of it is he's on the cusp now going into that fourth year of they've start to start talking about a contract extension yeah. all of our rookies are in that uh, from the 2018 are coming up in that area so the challenge now is, so the, we can see the evaluation never ends. The challenge is, okay, we say Baker Mayfield's going to be a franchise quarterback and he's on the upside. Now what do you pay him? You're not going to pay him uh, uh, Patrick Mahomes money. Right. He's got to be north of, you know, now any starting quarterback of any length is going to get $100 million plus going forward, depending upon how much guarantee. But where between that, that half a billion that, <laughs> that uh, Patrick Mahomes is getting and and that that floor of 100 million where does um where does baker mayfield land so that's the challenge going forward for cleveland let's move on to the to the next pick which which sam darnold and and again spoiler alert i think we're both in agreement that he's on the flip side of the 50 50 <laughs> proposition and for the reasons that we kind of identified let's remember that sam darnold had all the checks you know, came from a big school at USC, um, had all the physical attributes, seemed to be a pretty cool character. And going to a market like New York, that's a good, good, uh, uh, good place to be. Again, on the flip side, uh, on the downside of it, he's already he's already on his third coach. If he indeed stays in New York, he's went from yeah. uh, 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 being drafted in New York 
and and now they made the coaching change to Adam Gase. Now he's gone. They're bringing the new coach uh, and Robert Sala. It's still at this recording. We don't know if he's going to stay with New York or not. But my biggest concern, and we mar- uh, talked about it in the book, was he checked all these boxes. But I'll go back to the the benchmark that Ron Wolf and and Bill Polian told us about. How does he show up in the big moments? And that was the concern at SC. And certainly, even though with a very poor surrounding cast and, and an organization that's in flux, um, he he just didn't seem to show up in the big moments. Yeah. Well, the uh, interesting thing about that is there was an anecdote that we relate in the book that uh, it's either being cool under pressure or not having enough passion, depending on which side of the coin you're on. And his father, in fact, tells a story that they joked about him because of his lack of emotion. They called him a flatliner. Well, you know, yeah. that's okay if it's pure compliment, if you if it's, you know, you got ice in your veins. But he did seem to lack the passion. So if Baker Mayfield may have been off the charts on the passion right. side. So Darnold is a guy with a massive amount of physical properties and abilities and, uh, and, and does, does not have fire, for lack of a better word. Right. And to your credit, I'm going to say, when we got into extrapolations, you went much further than, than just extrapolating completion percentage over th- three years or four years, but rather, is there a way to extrapolate character and passion? And if you dig deep enough into history and into the game films of life, you do see patterns. Flatliner is not a good pattern to see. No. And it, to me, it's not just the lack of, maybe lack of passion, but it is sometimes awareness. I always used to say, I want to, yeah, I want a calm quarterback, but I also want to know that you're smart enough to be afraid. Yeah. That you're smart enough to recognize, whoa, this is, this is a lot. And, and, you know, buyer beware, so to speak. Um, I don't know what's going to happen with Sam Darnold at this point. My guess is they're going to move on. Um, which I think the indictment of that is with two picks in the first round with the New York Jets, a new general manager, and Joe Douglas, a new head coach, it would be a huge advantage for them to convince themselves that, that Sam Darnold is the guy. Because now they could, they could get a whole bunch of picks for people that want to come up yeah. to that second overall pick. They could pick up a bunch of picks. They could really build the nucleus for a good team if they wanted to convince themselves that he's the right guy, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think they're going to end up either going to picking it too, or they'll trade back, but still be in a position to pick up one of these rookie quarterbacks. Right. And I think right now the odds are that they're saying they're going to pick a quarterback. Yeah. And number two, so, uh, Zach so, or, uh, uh, or uh, um, uh, what you call it, um, uh, Justin Fields, probably. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Or Zach Wilson. Um, yeah. All right. This next one is the most interesting one to me. Uh, uh, when we move on to Josh Allen, who was taken by the Buffalo Bills. Again, guy that checked all the boxes in every category. There was one huge outlier, and this one I took on personally because it, 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 I, I was a victim of it. The lack of completion percentage. This is a young man that went to Reedley Junior College, had basically one really great year at Wyoming, uh, great numbers, but the completion percentage, and that rarely gets better. And that was our qualifier going in. We thought this guy's dynamic. Uh, he can do a lot of things, but boy, we, we've got to be concerned. And going in, had some trepidation on as to which side of the equation he would fall because of the completion percentage. Now, even though he had success in the first two years, 
the completion percentage was still not good yeah. and still was limiting. And, and I had a concern uh, at the end of the two years. And as we wrote about in the book that, yeah, it looks to be like a positive, but there's still some concerns here because that 10 knots to get better. And then all of a sudden in the third year, just exploded in terms of his ability to read defenses better than or close to 70% completion percentage really turned into a superstar um, in terms of status. So clearly he's above, above the curve. Uh, But still it leaves us as we try to formulate, what is this formula? It now puts an asterisk on the asterisk where you take a player up under 60%, well, I got to put an asterisk here. That's a concern, yeah. but we've got an outlier in terms of someone that it still was able to overcome it and that's Josh Allen. Right. Well, you know, you also said something early on, which I think that is, it, it, that is uh, it's a nuance to an extent or a detail, but it's a very important one that if you're at 57, 58, f- 59%, you might be able to move up past the magic 60 and if you can, it makes a hell of a difference. That just that, just going from 58 to 61 or 62. He happened to jump up to 70. We also said early on when we were doing the matches, he was matched up with a good coach. Yeah. And they were likely to stay with him for a while, which was good. So he had every opportunity to improve a little bit. Now he improved a lot, but if he falls back to the low 60s, he's still in pretty good shape. Right. And getting a Stefan Diggs certainly helped. Let's go back to the organization, the good match with the organization and the fact that they wrapped some additional assets around him. So that's always going to be the factor. Um, but yeah, had he this year and they made the playoffs again and he runs around and makes some plays and that type of thing, had he stayed under that 70%, then I would still be sitting here concerned about the long-term prognosis of him truly and Buffalo being a championship caliber team because of that. But if he stayed under not, not if he stayed under 60%. If he stayed under 60%, yeah. That that yeah. that would have been uh, but then the fact that he jumped over the top of it was uh we've never seen the likes of it. So but so I that will. still leaves us that with when we evaluate going forward draft picks, that sub 60% guy for me, that still has to be a major concern. And there yeah. will be teams that say. No, no, we're okay with that because look at Josh Allen. And to me, <laughs> sure. that, that's, that's a mistake. But I'll say in, in our evaluation, as we grade ourselves, we had essentially said Baker Mayfield, yes. Sam Darnold, doubtful. We had him just below the cusp. And we had Josh Allen right on the cusp with a slight plus. So to our credit, we said, if we have to tip one way or the other, we're going to say because right. of factors like the team he's going to and the and his steadiness and his, we, he gets a slight plus. So we were, we were doing okay. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, I have to move on to, to Josh Rosen, which is the classic whiff. Yeah. Uh, the classic first round miss at every level. Uh, again, not to, to, to prognosticate or to, to pat ourselves too much on the back, but we, we had concerns about Josh yeah. Rosen from the get go, had all the physical tools. Uh, seem to have the mental capacity. Again, you might question the fire in the belly because uh, uh, as we've talked about in the book, 
Uh, some people are, uh, have looked at a disqualifier of a young man. The man comes from substance, comes from a wealthy family. Is that a factor? There are certainly outliers to that as well. The current crop of quarterbacks coming up, Zach Wilson, uh, people are talking about that. We, we kind of put that to a side in our evaluation. The biggest concern we had, and again, here's a young man who went through a lot of transition in college, ends up coming in the NFL and getting bounced around. Uh, unceremoniously and uniquely, uh, Arizona is all in and even trades up to get him at 10 and then bails on him after only one year, as they did on the coach, <laughs> which is even unique. And he's bouncing around the league. He just re-signed with San Francisco. Maybe he has a chance under Kyle Shanahan to, to redevelop the skills or to have some stability that shows up. But the biggest indictment we had in the process, and so did the scouts, and we heard from a number of pers personnel people, they just had, they all had questions. They just had doubt about his ability, his, his desire for the game, not the physical abilities. And it just, as uh, to, to quote one of them, we just didn't get shot in the ass with the guy. Right. He had an interesting, what we discovered was he had an interesting um, uh, critique, which was not only that he perhaps came from uh, you know, oh, perhaps too much comfort or, or, or wealth, but he's a very smart guy. And he, was he coachable or was he sort of the guy that'd say, I'm smarter than the coach? Now, those are, those are hard things to, to find. I mean, I mean to, to prove one way or the other. I think it's ironic or almost, almost bizarre. We, have, we, we observe two prejudices in picking quarterbacks at either end of the economic scale. We've seen over years that finally seemed to be overcome. There was for many, many years, a kind of a prejudice against um, the, that some people called a thought might've even been a racial one that was uh, having to do with, you know, could, could the dual threat quarterback make it or was that, or was he too much of a runner? And at the other end was, <clears throat> was the guy who was too well to do and fancy too good. You know, neither one in and of itself makes any sense at all. Obviously, uh, obviously, a rich kid could be driven, yeah. and a poor kid can be brilliant. But in the case of Josh Rosen, maybe it was this other factor of can you coach me? Yeah, and and you bring up a good point because the inference is that if the player is too intelligent, he's not coachable. But I will I will use two examples, primary examples that I'm familiar with firsthand: uh, Peyton Manning and Steve Young. Both yeah. from affluent backgrounds, both extremely intelligent and will challenge you on every point, <laughs> but, but will listen yeah. Yeah. to ultimately what you need to do. I, I talked with Gary Kubiak and, and uh, uh, as well, just recently uh, talked about with Peyton Manning and how he and, and, and Peyton came to a meeting of minds in terms of what they were going to do that ultimately led to a Super Bowl in Denver because Peyton was very determined about what he did. Gary, as Gary, very humbly as Gary Kubiak is, would say, but you know what, my kind of, my stuff's kind of okay too now. So, and, and meld them together. But yeah. both, both Steve Young and Peyton Manning, although they will challenge you on a daily basis as to why are we doing this? And is this the best way? They will listen yeah. and they will uh, work with you on that. Where Josh Rosen uh, tends to be just, well, I'm smarter than you, I'm dismissive, and this is the way I'm going to do it. And again, you wonder, is there a coach out there who might have been right for him and 
Yeah, well, we'll see. You know, and again, we 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 uh, we now have the the Ryan Tannehill example. Uh, again, what was a classic first round bust in Miami goes to Tennessee, the right coach doing the right thing, right balance, and now appears to be on you know one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL. Again, an outlier because that movement typically doesn't make a difference. If- but you but you have a if I'm not mistaken, you have a pretty high opinion of uh, Kyle Shanahan, and maybe he might be open-minded enough to see, is there still something here? Absolutely. And, and, and may have an opportunity with the questions about Garoppolo and certainly the injury questions in a, in a run-based offense where it requires the quarterback to be very intelligent quarterback to operate it. Maybe, just maybe, yeah. Josh Rosen has found the right spot. Well, this brings us to our last one, which has really made it the most interesting of the, of the group. And that's Lamar Jackson. The fact that he snuck in with the last pick as Baltimore brilliantly moved back in to beat all the teams that would have been in line for him in the second round, which is where most people thought Lamar Jackson was going to go. And Lamar Jackson uh, clearly has the physical abilities uh, is just a baller as they say, but is the ultimate example of our last criteria, a player going to the right team that was willing to wrap itself around what he did That was the question people had. Will he last in the league being a running quarterback? And Baltimore, to their credit, singularly said, we'll wrap an offense around him, and we don't care if he runs the ball 170, 180 times a game. This is what we do, and they've had great success with him because of it. Right, and he, and as far as our prognostication on him, we said we brought up all all the cautions, the normal ones, you know, can he, can he run that much? Will they let him run a team he goes to? And if he does run that much, is he putting himself in jeopardy? We also discovered along the way, interesting, uh, some data that showed that, that actually studying uh, running quarterbacks versus pocket quarterbacks over time, that the, the difference is almost infinitesimal between getting hurt. So it's one of those myths that's grown up. We learned from some of the experts that a pocket quarterback can be very vulnerable because he's standing still like a statue and he can get clobbered. I mean, uh, witness, you know, how many times Ben Roethlisberger has been hurt and a running, a runaround quarterback can stay healthy because he's on the move. Now that doesn't mean it happens to every running quarterback or it happens to every, to every pocket quarterback. But we saw that with, uh, with Lamar. And I believe that what you had concluded sort of bottom line was if a couple of these ifs can be met, team wraps themselves around him. He can keep himself healthy, maybe learn to slide or get out of bounds. The term we said is he can be of all the guys picked a game changer. Well, guess what? We, I guess we got really, either we got smarter, we got lucky because he absolutely came in halfway through the season and changed that team's fate absolutely. For the, in the very first season. And the fact that he truly is a unicorn because as we talk about in the book going forward, and we're going to take just a minute to talk about the draft coming up and how it applies to our criteria, but in the game that it has changes, and, and yes, a more mobile quarterback is something everybody covets, but you still have to win from the pocket. At the end of the day, it was a 43-year-old pocket quarterback that can't run that won the Super Bowl this year. Yeah. Now, everybody wants a certain level of athleticism in their quarterback. Uh, if you let's extrapolate it, if we will, just a little bit to this year's draft, 
what's interesting, again, a draft that looks like there might be five guys taken, much yeah. like our 2018 yeah. class. At least four, but certainly maybe five. You have the diversity of a Trevor Lawrence and a Zach Wilson and a Mac Jones, who all appear to be pocket quarterbacks with some athleticism. Okay, they're not, they're not stiffs. They all can move around, but they're like we found with Baker Mayfield, who can keep the play alive. Baker Mayfield, we can't put in the category of a running quarterback. He does make some plays with the legs, but not like he did in Oklahoma. And, and we noted that in the book, that he's not going to run around in the NFL the way he did in Oklahoma. These guys are going to be proverbial pocket quarterbacks. But then you have guys uh, like, like uh, Justin Fields and Trey Lance, that are more mobile physical quarterbacks that truly operate more outside the pocket. And there's questions about their ability within the pocket. So looking forward again, the, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Uh, nobody knows anything. Uh, this year's draft. Again, we have a dichotomy of uh, it's not a matter of everybody going to the mobile quarterback. Everybody's going to the guy, you know, everybody's saying, let's go find me a Lamar Jackson. We'll slow down. Now, there's not a lot of those cats running around here. So let's be realistic about what we're going to see. But um, I, I think the Q factor is in full, full force going into the, uh, the the 2021 draft, and it'll be interesting to follow it. So it's been great fun, Jim. I hope the people have enjoyed this podcast. Uh, we're going to continue it on. Jim and I are uh, working on a series of the Q factor for business. We're doing a number of seminars around the country with business schools. We're going to create a podcast Q factor for business and extrapolate some of the principles about, about identifying top talent on the football field and how it might extrapolate to top talent in the business field and see if we can make those connections. You want to look for it uh, as you want to look for the Q factor podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts.